0: Hello and welcome to Monster Island Radio, a show where we discuss one of our favourite movie franchises, Godzilla. Each episode we pick a movie from the series and talk about the highlights, lowlights and everything in between, and why Godzilla is one of our favourite monsters. Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Island Radio. I'm Ben and as always I'm joined by... Graham! It's me, Graham. (laughs) Hello! Remember me? (laughs) From the last episode, right? That's right. (laughs) Uh, Right, today we're talking about 2016's Shin Godzilla, which I... I, Did I buy that for your birthday last year, I think?
1: It was a leaving present when I left um, the job, which we used to work at
0: together, but we don't anymore. So, I mean, we figured it'd probably be time to, you know... Actually, cover this movie because you've had it for quite a while now, and we've been, sa- yes. you know, you've been saving it for doing an episode. So we'll yeah, break, we'll uh, break up the Millennium era that we've been doing, and uh, we'll we'll cover Shin Godzilla. It's nice to have a little breather, especially for people
1: who are like Godzilla but might not necessarily be interested in Millennium at this exact moment in time. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, as always, for those who haven't seen it, I've got a, I've written a bit of a synopsis. It's quite long, actually. I think they're getting longer and longer each episode we do. Like I think the first one was about two sentences. Now it's about five paragraphs. uh, Maybe not that long, but um, let's get started. Right, so we open with the Tokyo Bay Coast Guard investigating a leisure boat that was abandoned off of the bay with some research and writings found aboard. The boat belonged to Goro Maki, who was something of a shamed professor studying radiation mutations and hailed from... Odo Island, which is the fictitious island from 1954 Godzilla. Um, Although this movie actually has nothing to do with 54 Godzilla. This is kind of... It's
1: as though Godzilla has never appeared
0: before. Yeah, this is his first appearance, exactly. Shortly after, a collapsed tunnel by Tokyo Bay prompts investigation by the Japanese government to determine the cause, with one possible explanation suggested by government official Rando Yoguchi to be caused by a large aquatic animal despite the idea being dismissed by the cabinet it's quickly revealed via social media and news reports that a huge tail rises out of the bay thus confirming Yuguchi's initial theory things escalate quickly as the creature comes ashore despite government statements saying it wouldn't and it wrecks the nearby town at this point we only have a creature that resembles a disgusting googly-eyed fish with legs uh, <laughs> but it's it's not long before it stands on its hind legs and starts walking around like Rory Calhoun and making a familiar roaring sound. Uh, Yaguchi heads up a special task force made up of outcasts and creative thinkers to figure out how to deal with the new threat while the military make futile attempts to halt the creature before it retreats back to the sea. The team call upon Maki's research to help identify what they're dealing with as it foresaw the events unfolding before them. When the creature returns again we said that it's evolved to twice the size into the form we all know, Godzilla. As military defenses ramp up, so does the ferocity of Godzilla as he blasts Tokyo with a devastating atomic breath in self-defense. So, Yaguchi's task force analyzed Goromaki's research further, as well as samples of DNA from Godzilla to conclude that he is continuously evolving and has the ability to self-replicate, and that the only way to stop it is by freezing him. So, with the help of other nations' contributions, the team managed to facilitate the operation to halt Godzilla and inject him with a freezing agent. Uh, the plan works right before Godzilla was about to evolve for the fifth time where we see a mouth at the end of his tail with humanoid figures growing out of it so even though that was quite long it's still a sort of truncated version of the plot because there's quite a lot to unpack I've I've really left quite a lot out Um, and I think it really took me a couple of watches to get what was happening because the dialogue was so fast-paced and and heavy Mm. It it was quite difficult to wrap my brain around and I'm the first to admit what I know about Japanese politics could probably fit on a postage stamp. So it was, a, it was to begin with, it was quite a difficult watch because I was quite fortunate that I got to see it in the cinema yeah. um, when I first saw it. And I do remember thinking that for the majority of it, Godzilla was practically a statue. I mean, mm. it wasn't what I was expecting. It doesn't, doesn't mean I necessarily disliked it, but it's just not what I was expecting. So I'm just wondering, was it what you were expecting what what were you expecting
1: um well going into it i just from my observations of the godzilla design in shin godzilla it seemed like they were going for a much more raw kind of approach to godzilla um kind of more dramatic whereas the actual result of the movie is that although godzilla himself does pose a very like dramatic kind of He's a very dramatic sort of figure in the movie, and the way he behaves is is kind of more realistic in some respects than than other movies. Mm-hmm. The the bulk of the film is kind of like this sort of political satire that's maybe not the funniest, but definitely kind of like yeah, I guess if Godzilla came along now, this is sort of how the government would react, at least maybe in Japan, and that is is very interesting. It's like a different kind of approach to. Godzilla that we haven't really seen in other movies, at least on the ones we've covered recently. Mm. So that was really, really interesting. I found it, you know, really entertaining for for that.
0: I don't Uh, know if it was supposed to be humorous. Do you think it was?
1: I think that's kind of the general, like, feeling. From stuff I've read online after I watched it, I mean, I didn't get that it was satire myself, but it kind of felt like there was a sort of um, critical edge to the way the government moved quite slowly on Hmm. Godzilla. And there's supposed to be, like, a dark humour to that, I think. Right, um, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, like, laugh out loud funny, <laughs> but um, it's certainly kind of... Yeah, it's sort of a knowing, kind of, like, the government are not going to protect you quickly enough when, when something like this occurs, and that seemed to be the general sort of message of the movie. Yeah. Although they did ultimately save the day, so...
0: Well, whatever. they didn't as such, did they?
1: No, well the singular, you know, what's the his character's name? Rando Yaguchi. He does... And he works from within the government. The government yeah. is very much like, you know, the world, the you know United Nations and the uh, outside governments are pressuring Japan to just nuke Godzilla and get rid of him. Mm. And then there's a lot of uh, theorizing from the scientists in the movies that that might not even work mm. or it's, it's just going to cause another kind of period of, of nuclear kind of reaction in Japan. It's going to affect their culture like it did, you know, before. And that's where Godzilla comes from and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, Yaguchi, you know, he's sort of, spearhead to this plan to freeze Godzilla as a kind of like nuclear coolant sort of idea and that's what ultimately destroys Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of my expectations, I think my expectations weren't weren't greatly specific except I thought Godzilla himself might be more unpleasant in this film than, mm. than he than he normally is. He's kind of always, even when he's destroying cities, it's kind of nasty, but it's it's fun to watch. Whereas in this one, it's a lot more kind of it is kind of realistic in a way. Yeah. Although I feel like Godzilla does too much standing around being statuesque, which I didn't really like when he does perform his actions. Um, you know, it really services the movies and makes you think, you know, what would this really be like? Yeah. So I liked that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. The, um, we're saying about it being a, you know, like a critical satire of the, like how the Japanese government would would handle things as, most Godzilla movies are—they're always, you know, a vehicle for a, you know, a parable or something yeah. to do with Japan or, you know, any culturally significant event and the way the nation responds and deals with it. And I, I'm presuming—it seems pretty obvious to me that, I mean, the most recent nuclear event in Japanese history was in 2011 with the Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster. Yeah. And you know, what better vehicle for telling a radiation story than Godzilla, right? So. <laughs> It's
1: kind of a kind unfortunate situation where you're like, oh, the Godzilla movie has become richer. Um, uh, the price of that is a nuclear disaster. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's kind of so, awful. Mm. But they need something to kind of happen almost so that they can have a fresh parable, like you're saying. Yeah, rather than retreading the same thing. Yeah,
0: because I think that that's why why this one was so different. Because you know there was a lot of crit- criticism from the public in Japan about how it was all handled and mm. how the bureaucracy and red tape that exists in Japan's infrastructure kind of stifled any sufficient action in that crisis so this was like yeah the, the perfect movie to do it essentially but I mean like I was saying at the time when I was watching it I wasn't thinking about that because I suppose I was going off the back of 2014 Godzilla uh, yeah, the US this out, one
1: this came out a couple of years
0: after that yeah so, and I was yeah. like oh here we go action movie and it's, mm. like, it's not really an action movie at all
1: well it doesn't even have a second monster there's no like kaiju battle though no um because I, my girlfriend was like, oh, yeah, should we watch Shin Godzilla a few weeks ago? And I was like, oh, yeah, we could watch it. You know, I'm supposed to do that for the podcast soon. Um, and I said to her, it doesn't have a battle in it. it and she was just like, oh, don't, don't want to watch it. she's <laughs> just, yeah. like, just not interested because she was like, she wanted to watch, like you say, she wanted to watch an action movie. Yeah. Um, that was why we wanted to put it on. So we we watched something else. But, yeah, it's a different kind of movie, which is great because, you know, there are so many Godzilla movies and we watch so many which are similar that um, as a bit of counter- you know, programming, I really, really liked it, but I can totally get why going into the cinema and not really knowing fully what you're going to get, it might be a bit, like, stagnant for you. Because yeah. that was the, the worst thing about it is that Godzilla, for all the destruction it causes, stands around a lot doing yeah. nothing for big chunks of the movie. So, yeah, that's kind of, like, it, it doesn't have a strong personality as uh, Godzilla itself.
0: This is the thing, like, you don't really kind of connect with with him in any way.
1: No, and even in the finale when he's being like shot at, so they can like pull this freezing agent into his mouth, it just sort of stands there, being vaguely indestructible.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. It's,
1: it's the one major flaw I think of an otherwise really high quality film. Mm.
0: So with this Godzilla, mm. he's not the result of a bomb this time round. He's the result of like you know radioactive waste, which I, I read subsequently, but I didn't notice actually in the movie. But they're saying that it was. Um, Radioactive waste from the US. I don't know if that was some sort of, if that's actually related to anything that's actually happened.
1: Well, I know that obviously the US did a lot of nuclear testing in the Pacific, didn't they? Mm. So maybe it could be some of that. that, But I don't know about them dumping their own material in there. Not sure. That's something that's going on in real life. I mean, that would be something that they definitely would want to keep quiet. But um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if it was fictitious or not. I just kind of took it. It was sort of like general. Nuclear waste. Yeah, um, that's what
0: I assumed. To be honest, I
1: I watched the Japanese version with this one. Normally, when we we would do these podcasts, I watch the English one just because that's what's easier for me to watch because I don't like read particularly quickly. To be honest with you, so subtitles are an investment for me. And this one's um, a
0: particularly difficult one to read.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was because um you mentioned at the start that they they talk pretty really rapidly in this. Mm. Um, the film's directed by um Hideki anno um who's famous for um. Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, but he he commented that one of the things he wanted this film to he wanted to replicate the sort of dialogue style that you see in the Social Network, the David Fincher movie. Have you oh, seen that? Oh right, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, they talk so rapidly, don't they? Yeah. So it's a deliberate, you know, it's you, like a Gilmore Girls
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose so. Um, they just talk so fast and it's on purpose just so it makes you feel like things are happening mm. rapidly in a very exciting way. And they seem to kind of, they. it's like in the scenes with The Scientist where they're coming up with the freezing stuff and they're doing lots of fast cutting, it's reminiscent of both The Social Network and uh, Evangelion because of that, that rapid nature. Whereas in the kind of the more sort of Critical government scenes at the beginning where they're sort of like, "Mm, what should we do? Those are significantly slower, so it's a definite contrast there. I
0: still think even those are quite quick, to be honest. Fair enough. But I mean, you have to kind of keep it interesting because what it boils down to is essentially a political drama featuring Godzilla. so the thing uh, i didn't
1: like about the subtitles was that there's a lot of text on screen in this ooh, movie anyway especially like when just, it says
0: which room they're in and what the person is what the person's name is and what it is mm, they do while you're trying so to read what
1: they're saying you're like whoa yeah yeah and the subtitles balanced b- b- between the top and the bottom of the, of the screen and you're just like okay and, and sometimes and then when
0: someone speaks english it goes to with the japanese text <laughs> to the side <laughs> what's yeah. happening
1: so yeah i wasn't incapable in of reading the subs but it definitely wasn't more challenging, you know, than I expected. As soon as the movie started, I was like, okay, I've really got to pay attention
0: to this because, um, you know, it was so rapid. I, do, I mean, I've never really been one for political drama, to be completely honest with you. Right. Like, it's not really my thing. Maybe I'm just not cultured enough to <laughs> just find, it, it it find it stuff. interesting enough yeah. for me. But I do think it succeeded for me because it did actually kind of give me an insight into what the bureaucracy in japan is like you know that whole kind of you know depending on what conversation they're having they will they'll have a meeting in a different room with mostly the same people and like how you know you've got the um that military chief like requesting from the defense minister oh yeah we need to do this and then she requests to the prime minister like we need to do this and then it goes back again like they're all sat in the same room yeah and it's this weird kind of hierarchical structure of you know we have to go through procedure and it's like they they really do push it home. Um, yeah, to prove that point.
1: I think watching this five years after Fukushima in Japan as a Japanese audience, that would have been quite darkly comical. Um, yeah, yeah. Just from our perspective, it's sort of, sort of like a bit stagnant, but it's it's stagnant on purpose. That is the joke. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting in that way. Um, but yeah, in terms of like drama, I mean, personally, I really like The Social Network as we mentioned it. Like, I think that's a great movie um it's it's you know it's a good example of, of taking something that could be potentially quite dull and making it seem very exciting um but then i think it's just the case of when it when the drama's good it's good and when it's not good it's it's not so it's not even about whether it's political or not you just have to find uh, something that resonates with with you
0: yeah um the thing is i do try and figure out what resonated with me with this movie it's like it, i did enjoy it it's It's a weird one because I didn't really feel like I was connecting to any of the characters or Godzilla hmm. or and like on a personal level I mean I don't live in Japan yeah you know, I didn't know what the disaster was like I could only imagine how horrific it was. I felt like such a third party just kind of looking in on this yeah um and anytime you do see any kind of you know western influence in this movie it's like like with um with the Americans in there like you hardly ever see their face or anything like that and I, I really did feel like an outsider not necessarily that they wanted anyone from the west to feel like an outsider but it's just like I I just, I was just so acutely aware that I, you know I don't think it was made for me as such
1: this, the scene with the American generals is so anime to me I, I thought that as well Where there's just these three guys just standing staring out of three separate windows it's, and just talking to each other without making any eye contact
0: yeah it was so bizarre um but yeah i mean so we didn't really have any i mean we did have main characters that we were supposed to you know empathize with so you got um rando yaguchi who's the aide to the prime minister kayako ann patterson who's that us envoy us and, yeah well i'll we'll get on that <laughs> and hideki akasaka who's like a special advisor to the prime minister and they're all a bit tropey really. So I mean you've got uh, Randa who's like the the young hero, you know, he's a bit more switched on than his peers believe him to be. Kayako, the uh like the with the sassy American attitude and the weird accent. Uh we'll get onto that in a second. And then like you've got Goromaki, who was I mean, he wasn't even in the movie, there's a picture of him and that's it. But he's like the the old wise one. You know, he's he's kind of the um like the unseen version of Brian Cranston's character, I suppose in uh, 2014 Godzilla, you know, he's like, obsessed with radiation mutations and you know, foreseeing the events that were occurring. And like I said, I, I, cause I didn't, I didn't really connect with them as such. I didn't dislike them at all. Actually, I think you know, they were perfectly fine, but I suppose this movie isn't about the characters at all. Really? Mm. Like it could, it could literally be any characters in there. It didn't really make a difference. Cause that's not what it's about. Um, but it's just some yeah. There were some odd odd choices to make. Kayako, who was supposedly American with like a, a Japanese grandmother, and yeah. they decided that
1: well, she
0: you know she can only like she only got like a passing knowledge of Japan, and but can speak perfectly fluent Japanese. But then slips into this really kind of quasi American accent to say these bizarre lines. And it was it was so jarring because it's like I could sort of believe it mm. until she <laughs> was made to speak English.
1: I'm guessing you've read about the actress and all that stuff.
0: Well, only a little bit. I did read that like she found it so hard it made her want to cry. And It's like what? Get someone well, that can speak English then. It just seems so <laughs> insane to make her do this. And like maybe to them like it sounded perfectly fine. But I think to anyone outside of Japan, they'd be like struggling to understand what it was she was even saying like when she when you first hear her speaking i actually don't know what she said I, I don't have a clue i know it was in english but i have no idea and then she's saying about wanting to find a zara to find new clothes and it's like oh okay it's this kind of pastiche of you know how americans are perceived outside of america she was the closest thing to comic relief in that respect i suppose oh that's mean
1: or, or, well, do you, or do you I, mean, I mean in d- a, like in an intentional way? Oh right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean. Yeah, I mean the actress. Um, what's her? There? Satomi Ishihara. Mm-hmm. She said, "Yeah, that she took the role and didn't know that she was going to be speaking English for most of the movie. So it's oh. not really her fault." That's. I would lay. Just brutal. Yeah, I would lay this down at, at the door of um, Hideaki. I know who directed it because, like I said about him being one of the creators of Neon Genesis Evangelion, that's a series where it's very kaiju based you know there's basically kaiju fight scenes in every episode of the anime and it's a sort of world-spanning issue and they have characters in there who are not Japanese but come to Japan and speak Japanese obviously you know if you're watching the the dub they're all speaking English but you know one of the major characters in in Evangelion is German but she comes to Japan and she's fluent in Japanese it's just like part of the the style of like encapsulating the entire world and I think that in Shingonzilla is an obvious kind of that's, like his input. Yeah. So it probably was one of his choices. Like, oh, we need somebody here who's not from Japan, but, you know, brings something from America or whatever. But if, when you look at it from a Japanese perspective, if you have a character in there who's speaking a lot of English, having them speak English with a heavy Japanese accent probably means it's very easy for Japanese viewers to understand it, even with or without subtitles, because even though she's kind of struggling to phonetically speak these lines it probably is a more common sound to to their ear so Perhaps. i think this whole movie is just like it's just a very very full japan kind of thing that,
0: i did think that because uh they uh toho they really liked the 2014 godzilla which right. was obviously aimed at western audiences and they're probably like hmm. yeah that's great you know they've done their thing for america for american audiences let's do another one for japan and that's i really just got that vibe and i suppose that comes back to that whole you know almost feeling a disconnect with this movie because i've I just felt like an outsider. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's very Japan-centric. But, I mean, that's hardly surprising. It's a Godzilla film. Of course, it's exactly. going to be Japan-centric.
1: Yeah. And I quite liked the outsider feeling. I took that yeah, as a positive. So, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, I don't think anyone us think it was a negative. That It kind of was isolating. I think the isolating feeling was almost like part of it.
0: Yeah, I think I just have a terrible way of phrasing things because when I say, like, I felt like an outsider, <laughs> it just sounds like, wow, you really didn't like this. It's like, no, I did. I actually enjoyed it. It's just... uh the way I come across, I think.
1: I don't think it's your phrasing, but I think that, as a term, would have a, a negative connotation, yeah. whereas it's just, this movie is so unique in terms of kind of twisting that. It's almost, it's not a horror movie, and like I said at the start, I was kind of expecting it to be more horrific, mm. but it kind of has that element where it makes you feel uneasy oh, in yeah, an entertaining definitely. way. Yeah. So, yeah, that was very, very strong. done. It's very good.
0: Yeah, I think this is probably the most terrifying iteration of Godzilla. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would, I would say so. Because nothing could stop him, but he was just moving so slowly. It's like, he, he wasn't even aware what was happening. He's like, just a, like a lost creature. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, what's it going to do next? Do you have no idea? Cause you see it, you know, evolving. Cause w- when we first see it, it's just a, a tail essentially. Yeah. And then it comes to land and it's got its googly eyes and it's, you know, flopping around. And then, then it stands up on its hind legs and then we hear the, you know, the roar and all that. Uh, we just see it getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? Yeah, you know, even though he's not doing that much, he's still ca- causing like such havoc. Hmm. And it's like, well, if he was going to really um, get pissed off, you know, you're going to see something horrendous, and th- that's what we do see. So when the yeah. um, those stealth bombers from the US come and drop a bomb on him, he's like, right, that's it, something's trying to attack me here, and that's when we get that part where he you know splits open his jaw and does the atomic breath, and it's just this like, probably one of the most devastating Atomic Breath scenes ever, probably, I, think I would of. say it
1: probably is the most impactful one because it's played totally straight. Yeah. When we watch the tw- the uh, uh, Legendary Pictures movies and it looks great with their kind of CG Godzilla, um, they look fantastic and it's very exciting. You know, yes. You're waiting for it, you're building up and they have that, like, sound effect with the, the spine, like, you know, build up the power and all that stuff. This is much more like a... You know, I wouldn't say the effects are totally successful in, in representing what it would be like but it makes you feel emotionally like it, this is what it would be like if this happened yeah. So I, that's,
0: I, yeah i think partly due to the fact he's not actually attacking another kaiju he's attacking a city he's just defending just, himself just aimlessly yeah.
1: defending himself and that kind of lost creature thing which you touched on is probably the strongest connection you have to this godzilla because he, he just is just lost in the city and just sort of like I'm just here I don't know what's going on I'm going to defend myself and yeah it's kind of they're they're not really there's no anger really towards Godzilla as a creature so much it's not not emotionally in that way but it's emotional in kind of like almost what, a, what's going to happen it's like a strong sort of melancholy like kind of hopelessness mm. um which is really kind of how you must feel when there's if a nuclear disaster like Fukushima happens and things escalate very rapidly, but you can't really get in there and be hands-on with nuclear stuff, yeah. so I think they're just they're very successful in replicating the emotions of that situation from you know an observant outsider point of view. Yeah,
0: because it seems like no matter what they do, nothing seems to be working, and when they think it Absolutely, does work, yeah. it ends up coming back to bite them hard. Pretty terrifying. In terms of the effects,
1: right? Um. I wouldn't say they're world class
0: they're they're serviceable,
1: yeah, they are definitely saying it like movie, I could do but, yeah. better.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing is with them is that they I mean at the start when you first see what I would guess you would call like fish Godzilla or like quadruped Godzilla when he's sort of like you know sl- sliming around the city sort of like you know on his belly, yeah, um, I thought that was a practical effect where they actually had a full suit and they just composited it into a city and had a, a great amount of extras and like you know nice bit of city destruction <laughs> a guy
0: laying on his belly wriggling I around I really thought it was
1: just a, a practical performance I thought that looks great okay and then you know as the movie went on and they added in more CG stuff I was like oh no this is actually like CG so it was only for like the one when the first reveal shot, when you see him down the street and it's kind of looking you know, from afar, I was like, wow, that, that's great. But very quickly after that, when he comes towards the camera and he kind of um, discharges its coolant, that kind of red blood-like liquid pours yeah. out of it yeah. um, and it hits the pavement, that just looks like a really kind of stock particle effect where they've done kind of the bare minimum
0: sort of... And especially when he starts to evolve because you see his skin ripple yeah it feels like you're watching like stargate sg1 or something for me it was
1: yeah it was specifically when that liquid kind of came and hit the ground you could just kind of see like it's not really interacting with the pavement it's just a particle effect it's like a it's a liquid effect you see a lot like if you watch a lot of movies you kind of get like oh yeah that's like cg liquid um so yeah it wasn't kind of on a a hollywood level even though it sounds a bit patronizing but definitely like you know when you watch a lot of ilm movies or digital movies um that they're a bit cleaner than this. And the, the it was, yeah, it was the particle effect later down when the buildings were being destroyed and crumbling. You could see, like, it's just a particle effect applied to the building so it could just fall and it was all simulated. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't really feel particularly real.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, fe- I felt like I could adjust to it.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind it. I just sort of acknowledged it and moved on. Yeah. But, yeah, it, just, it was one of the weaker elements of the film.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess this is probably the first one, first Japanese one where there isn't... A, uh, you know, a suit involved. Well, it kind of isn't a tra- traditional suit, but well, they, they did do a lot motion of motion capture. capture. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I guess it kind of is isn't. They've sort of got a nice middle ground where it's like you can have a much better effect in some respects. You know, having the full CG suit, this full CG creature lets you do different things, but they still have the human element on the sound stage. So, yeah, you know, which is nice middle ground. Yeah,
0: I agree. Um, apparently, they did do some full suit stuff, but it never got used. So I heard. I could be wrong on that, but that, I I did recall reading that somewhere. So I guess it just didn't fit with the rest of the movie. And it
1: makes sense. You'd at least do a test. You
0: know? Yeah, I suppose so. And like they did the same in um, King of the Monsters as well, uh, the legendary one. All oh, right. You know, they like they did a the whole bit with uh, animatronics and stuff, but they cut it. It's a bit like uh, oh, it on the oh, Blu-ray. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> watch it. Um. So yeah, I always feel sad when I read that kind of thing. So yeah, the mo- mm. motion capture is, is the good, good in-between, I think.
1: Uh, just a comment on the director one last time, um, I was thinking about um, Evangelion when I was watching Shin Godzilla, and I didn't know until afterwards that it had been directed by the same guy and it's in these scenes in these you know scientific discussions where they cut very rapidly and they like kind of shooting bits of paper across the table and pointing at maps and they do lots lots of quick cuts and you know it's this montage with dialogue over the top and they do a lot of that in evangelion but in animation you can compose them very carefully Make sure that they're they're pitch perfect before you know they're finalised, and every little scene and detail is just artistically done, and you really get that feeling like, oh, these these characters are smart and they're doing their thing, and they can do it well, fast, great. Mm -hmm. In this movie, though, I just found that really choppy and unrefined, and I was like, I felt like they're trying to copy what you see in animes like Evangelion, but in this movie, I just didn't feel it at all. I just found it really unrefined and I didn't like it and I was like it's not conveying what it what it's trying to convey
0: I've never seen Evangelion or Evangelion that's why I went to ask you yeah, yeah like, so I not seen it, I wouldn't I wouldn't have even drawn that contrast so to me it just seemed like yeah they're just doing their thing and it, did you like that that style then yeah yeah. I didn't dislike okay. it yeah, that's it, the it fit I the movie I thought yeah it
1: didn't do it for me is what I mean but yeah if you liked it maybe it was just like less distracting mm. I can't say if I had if I hadn't seen Evangelion if I would i've thought about it in that respect but you know uh, yeah it didn't really do it for me mm. the thing. they do like test two or three sequences which are just like that
0: and i was like well
1: you know to be
0: honest that, that completely washed over me i didn't even think about it that's interesting
1: mm. but like we said before you're always on on top of the sound and then i'm always thinking about <laughs> the editing so yeah, that's true actually. it's a different perspective i guess yeah
0: thinking about this the sound for a second they were saying that's they tried to create a new roar for him, but it just didn't match up to the original roar. Each mm. time he evolved, it was a different roar. Right. When he first stands on his hind legs, that's the 54 roar. And then then the, the fourth form is the like Showa era, like so the like 50s to the 70s movies roar. And then just as he's getting frozen, he then has the Heisei era roar, like, just as he's about to go to his fifth form thought it was quite a nice little nod you know as this as the franchise was evolving you know there's that parallel with godzilla evolving yeah it's it's, quite smart yeah it's quite nice and there's like a mixture of the like you know original scores by ikifube as well as the new score um and i think that composer did evangelion actually i I seem to recall um and i think it's very similar actually and i think well i think because i think some of the music from evangelion is in this movie
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's,
0: I was. I just watched. So it's the, kind of a mixture of all of these things, and I, I think it kind of married up quite well.
1: I just watched the, um, the showreel, the special effects showreel on the Blu-ray before we started recording, and that has music over it, like I was saying, and it sounds very Evangelion-ish. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they were you know, similar to a fault sort of thing.
0: It was a good mixture of the old and the new, I thought, there.
1: Though. Yeah, I'll I sound like a contrarian, but when the first brawl happened, I felt like it didn't quite fit
0: the face of the
1: monster when he was evolving.
0: But yeah, I, I still well, liked with the, the googly
1: sound. eyes. I didn't mind. <laughs> it, well, yeah, I felt like he deserved like, his own sound. The googly eyes didn't bother me so much, but... Well,
0: it's the- funny, like the, the googly eyes. I thought it was hilarious when I first saw it because <laughs> I, I didn't really realize it was supposed to be like, you know, a fish. Right, yeah. I sound like such a, you know, heretic. A heretic? When, I, when I talk about Godzilla, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I thought it was funny when I first saw it. It's like, does this guy even like Godzilla? I do, rest assured. But yeah, just seeing those eyes, I was like, what? Is he going to have those eyes throughout this entire
1: movie? That's that's kind of why I thought it was a uh, suit f- for at first. Because they, they just know, stuck the eyeballs on. Yeah, they're not articulated. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's probably a suit. But then there's probably multiple layers to that design choice then where they want to make it look like a fish.
0: Yeah, exactly. They, they know
1: it's going to evolve at some point anyway. And also you get that bottom layer of like, people might mistake this for a practical effect, if only for a split second, like, like I did. So... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting choice. I quite liked it. I mean, it would have been interesting to see a version where they were sort of looking around, but there was none of that on the, the special effects behind the scenes. So. Initially,
0: they wanted to have Godzilla start as, you know, the Godzilla we know, that kind of fi- mm. final design, and then for it to ev- evolve into something really weird and, like, you know, just, like, bizarre. But then Toho vetoed it, and they were like, no, he has to turn into Godzilla. That's a good choice, I think. I mean, if I maybe think could so. Have... I think that it was a good compromise, because that... At the end, there was that kind of hint that, you know, oh, there was going to be more than this. They still managed to sneak in their idea of having like, you know, where you see his tail and it's got the humanoid forms coming out. And they've like all those little forms have the um, the dorsal plates on their back and stuff like that. And there's like the head at the end of Godzilla's tail and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, my God, what what the hell was going to happen next? You know, they just saved the day and time kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the unanswered question there is perhaps more interesting than whatever answer they would have come up with. Yeah, I mean,
0: there was some design sketches and stuff probably quite early on of another Godzilla basically growing out of his back and ended up becoming, would end up becoming two Godzillas and stuff like that. So I think that's where they started that with the the head and the tail, which kind of explains why, you know, he could shoot the atomic breath out of his tail as well at one point Mm. because there was a mouth there which is like quite it's just really it's just horrific it's really like grotesque and i really liked it
1: at the, the final shot you mean when they show the close-up of the tail? yeah and it's just yeah, like yeah. like to,
0: to see what was gonna happen actually i speaking about just godzilla himself you know even when he did evolve to his fourth form i still thought yeah it was just grotesque mm-hmm. um but in, in yeah, a good way
1: it genuinely kind of put me off the movie when I first saw the posters for this uh, oh, really? back in 2016. You know, I, I, like, I
0: remember reading at the time when the posters came out, everyone was like, oh, what is that?
1: That's kind of what I felt like, mm. but then I didn't... This is the thing, is it wasn't kind of communicated in the poster. I mean, how would you do this? I don't know. But they're not telling you, like, you're supposed to feel sickened by this thing. Right. Because we're so used to seeing Godzilla as sort of, like, a devastating but fun character. <laughs> And this guy is not like that. He is kind of gross on purpose, and it was the on-purpose part that I needed to kind of let that click and be like, okay, I'm not supposed to be like, oh, what a what a fun guy. So yeah, it was just kind of getting to that point as a, as a viewer, I suppose. But yeah, it's a really good design. It's just a shame it doesn't move that much. It reminded me of when we went to see the little Godzilla statue in Tokyo. <laughs> when well, it was, was completely
0: like, still. Yeah, we're like, wow,
1: <laughs> this movie stars the statue that we saw. <laughs> it's amazing. Because where was that statue? There's like It's, it's, it's by pretty the small. Soho Cinemas. Oh, okay, right, yeah. It's tiny when you think that like, oh, Godzilla statue is going to be at least like nine feet tall, right? But it's like minuscule. There is a statue
0: of that um, of Shin Godzilla somewhere. Oh, right. Um We we didn't get to go see it though. I didn't know it was there until after the fact.
1: Something to go back. Yeah, to. exactly. And obviously, you've got that head, haven't you, in Shinjuku? Which yes. You can go up and see the head on that hotel, but we we saw from the street level. Yeah. We didn't go up to the. So
0: going back to the characters, I suppose we have um, yeah. the ragtag misfits, you know. Um, mm. I liked it in this way well, it didn't feel too it wasn't too bad um, because I think it yeah. ha- kind of had a purpose because there was I don't know if you heard of the uh, Fukushima 50
1: I have heard of that term yeah. yeah
0: so that was the people that stayed back to help with the disaster mm-hmm. you know they were like it's in there machine. yeah they're on the front line that's kind of what these guys are like yeah in a way we didn't really get
1: a connection with any of the the foot soldiers who the people who go in and try to pull this coolant into Godzilla's mouth a lot of them die yeah but not a single one of them is a named character so it would have been nice to put somebody who we knew there that could have been over a plus
0: yeah because I maybe because there were so many characters there maybe they felt felt like it'd be too much to actually focus on all the individuals
1: but yeah it just goes back to that kind of like almost newsreel-esque kind of like outsider vision
0: and I don't know if with rando and kayako Mm. whether there was like this like a quasi romantic yes
1: because you, you can't get through a single movie these days without there being at least a the suggestion of romance if it was like
0: i'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and say maybe there was none of that in there none of that was intentional but i don't know i just got the feeling i don't know maybe i'm just assuming incorrectly Maybe maybe not. I don't know. It's
1: hard not to, though, because so often you do watch movies and then you get like the attractive male lead and the attractive female lead, and they Mm. always get pushed together, even in the most kind of. Regardless of of the circumstance. Yeah. So even when it's not happening, you still feel like it's happening sometimes.
0: I would like to think it's just, you know, for the sake of representation, but I don't think it is. I think it is like it was meant to be hinting at a romantic intention. Yeah.
1: It's it's box office stuff, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, they basically. You know, this isn't my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if the people who made the movie at Tahu were like, "Oh, you know, some girlfriends are going to be dragged along to see this film, so we better put something in there for them." And granted, the only hint at romance really comes in the final scene, to to me. But it's still there and you're just sort of like yeah okay i guess this is fine mm. I, I really liked the stoic kind of subdued a female scientist i can't remember what her name was but she's the one who kind of like comes up with a lot of the ideas
0: the one who speaks really quickly and doesn't smile until yes, the end
1: she's my kind of lady yeah so <laughs> that's, that's that was great um, no she
0: was good yeah
1: in terms of like the character stuff if it'd been up to me there, there's a scene in this film where you do see a, a block of kind of getting destroyed and there are some people, people in inside who get yeah. killed yeah and i would have to kind of you know drive home the unpleasantness of this godzilla and his destruction i would have maybe just done a couple of 60 second vignettes like sprinkle them out throughout the movie maybe two or three where you get to see a character just like that in in the apartment where you know she has one or two lines where she's just saying like you know we've got to get out you know get this on leave that behind then they die all you need is just a little bit of connection like you know, there's some guy in a car gets crushed
0: essentially there's only yeah two moments like that that one there and then i think there was another shot where there was a load of rubble and you see someone's like foot poking out and oh, they, right. they died under the rubble and i did feel like those moments were quite impactful and a few more of those like you say would have added mm. to that kind of street level terror
1: yeah, I feel like there's, there's, this, there's a high art to introducing a character and killing them off, like, 60 seconds later and making mm. you feel something. I know that's very hard to do, but if they had had two or three things like that. It's just like when there's that scene where they're saying, oh, we can't fire on Godzilla because there's this old man and his, like, elderly mother, like, crossing the train tracks. A close-up
0: of those two would have been good. Just a line like, of dialogue. Like, maybe saying something to each other, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the shot of them,
1: no joke, is less than a second. yeah and it's just like we're blinking you miss it literally so mm.
0: and yeah. I think on the second watch that's when I got this movie more because these things are like inferred but never explicitly said so like none of that stuff really sunk in the first time but mm. on the second watch you see it again and then you sort of imagine those scenarios you yeah. know, out, outside of the movie so like seeing that couple going across the train tracks you'd be like oh my god they must be you know absolutely bricking it at this point and then you start to connect with them and the movie doesn't help you do that, but it just kind of intimates at it, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's strange as well, because if you do reflect on the anime connection again, um, a lot of the best animes do take the time to give you those little moments. Mm. Um, there's kind of meditative kind of quick snapshots of society or snapshots of humanity. And it's just one of the elements that's missing from this in a way, which is just like kind of peculiar, yeah. given you know the connection. But that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, overall, I mean, I just thought, I thought this film was great, honestly. I was really in into it. Yeah. Um, which is why these things stand out more than they they perhaps would otherwise, I think. Yeah. As negatives, because the positives were really strong. I, re- um,
0: I really wanted to hear more about um, Goro Mackie. Mm. He had like, done his research because his wife had, had passed because of radiation. Mm. So he got obsessed with this, you know, radiation mutations and stuff like that. And... Um, He'd kind of discovered that new element based on Godzilla's DNA, and then the US had halted his you know research being published. So in this kind of last ditch attempt to get his research out there and you know warn people and you know tell them what's going on, he had to kill himself and almost not not make a spectacle but make it known. You know, lay his stuff out there and with that line, you know, do what you will with this information. Yeah, that was really good. I I would like to, I would have liked just a little bit more because I I found his his character actually very interesting, and. I suppose there's only so much you can explore a character that isn't even in the movie.
1: <laughs> well, that's just the thing. They made the choice at the start to show the recovery rather than the suicide. If they'd gone a different way they, and showing like, oh, here's this guy preparing to kill himself. And like, we kind of just infer that like he's topped himself and whatever. Then you could have had a bit of, you know, him talking to himself. Like, oh, I'm going to do this or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Recording some final thoughts, sort of speaking aloud to his deceased wife. Something I don't know.
0: I mean, but, um, I mean, maybe it didn't need it then, because uh, I mean, I still really liked that idea and yeah, what he it's what, what a he was there. Way of for. Going about yeah, it, isn't it? but no, it was it was it was really good. It was really good, and it's it. I just feel slightly annoyed that I went in with a different expectation when I saw it at the cinema. Because I was expecting an action move and it wasn't. So it wasn't until the second watch that I managed to get to grips with it. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to take a, 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 a hint from your, your experience, though. And, and next time we watch a Godzilla movie in the cinema, I'm going to try and have fewer expectations and see if I can just enjoy it a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I did want to ask you what your favourite moments were, but this is not the kind of movie where you have favourite moments as such.
1: No, I think the strongest part is when he does the the atomic blast, and it lets you know like this is the the movie. Yeah, know? if you're emotionally involved at that point, you get kind of the statement that's being made. And some of it still looks a little bit goofy, like we talked about with the effects; they're not perfect. But you know, it is a really a good film, and it has a strong message. I think for for all its flaws, it's very strong. Yeah, definitely. So no quiz this time, then?
0: No, <laughs> I was thinking about it, but again, I don't know. Not the right atmosphere. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I did like this more grounded representation, and it was all about it's entirely about radiation, and there's none of the mysticism or any of that, or any like big fights and things like that. I mean, as I said at the start, it's know, yeah, political drama featuring Godzilla, and they they did it really really well, and I I say it did educate me a bit as well into the insights of Japanese politics, mm. and so. As we normally say, if you're going to introduce Godzilla to someone, could you plunk them down in front of this and would they have a good time? What do you reckon?
1: I think it depends on the person. And, and usually we answer this question quite broadly. You know, could you show this movie to anyone and would they enjoy it? Um, I think if you've got somebody who's you know into that David Fincher style with the fast dialogue or they just you know want to watch something that's a bit more meditative than action-packed this is probably the right movie to go with well it might make a good kind of second Godzilla movie where you're like okay we're going to watch like something else that's more action-based like King of Monsters or one of the slightly goofier kind of older Godzilla movies with the you know the costume kaiju battles and then to put this afterwards you could say, okay, this is the full spectrum of Godzilla. You've got all of the fun and then all of the fear. And yeah, I think that maybe not first, but definitely you'd want to put this early on mm. in your your programming of introducing somebody to Godzilla.
0: It's thing. generally better to have, you know, the clean slate movies as a as an introduction as well. And this is this That's is essentially true, yeah. a clean slate. It does make me wonder where they're going to go from here because they, from 2021, uh, Toho want to start their own Monsterverse and it's like, at the minute, it's called World of Godzilla, but it might change name. Okay. Um, and I mean, this movie isn't part of that franchise as such, but I do wonder if they're going to do this kind of thing again. Um, whether it's going to have that kind of you know political bent, or it's kind of um, this is kind of the thing with Godzilla. You you never know what to expect. Like, because you can kind of think, okay, oh, hey, Godzilla movies, yes, guys in suits fighting, but then. We, i mean we've, we haven't covered that many so far but i think there's been a, quite a few that are very different as you said you can get like different tones from each you know from each era essentially so i mean i'm i'm really excited to see what they're going to do next because i i think for the MonsterVerse verse legendaries monster we we know essentially what to expect yeah you know you might not know which monster will pop up or something like that but yeah, you know, the the tone is going to be basically the same but, yeah, for, for Toho, it seems to be markedly different with each generation.
1: I think you kind of, that that's the thing you want. We talked about this before, didn't we, where sometimes Godzilla is friendly and sometimes he's not. And I think sometimes that can irk you as a viewer, like, oh, I like it when is a friend and then in this movie he's a villain, and, you know, it kind of might might you know not be what you're interested in. So they flip-flop quite a lot you know, in the Toho ones, even within the, the singular era. They kind of go back and forth quite a bit. Mm. Um, I would expect them to go with something that has quite a lot less teeth in the next Japanese Godzilla because they've done this now and they've done it very, very well. Um, so there's no real need to keep you know banging on this drum. Mm. They'll probably go with something that's a bit more you know populous next time, which
0: is fine. If they are indeed sticking with 2021, maybe we'll see something this year. Like a, like a, a trailer or something. Yeah, a trailer something like that, or even a poster. I don't know. I'm
1: excited to see what they're going to do. In our modern internet world, we might be fortunate enough to see a film like that land on Netflix like straight away or maybe they'd even give it a limited release in world cinema because, you know... Potentially. I think people, distributors of, of world media everywhere are more knowledgeable of like, oh, we've got fans everywhere. And, you know, with the, with digital distribution, you can get a film to other territories a lot cheaper than you used to be able to.
0: Yeah, because uh, distribution of these movies in the UK is, is something else, really.
1: You're basically just waiting for the Blu-ray.
0: Yeah, basically. It's, yeah, it's difficult.
1: The Blu-ray you got me is great. It's got two discs. One is English and one is Japanese, so you get peak video quality on both of those you know, versions with not compromising any data there. Um, the special features are basically non-existent, but you do have some stuff to just put on. And it's like, okay, this, this is good. I haven't watched the English dub yet because I wanted to watch the Japanese one for this because usually I don't watch the Japanese version at all, like I said. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed. It was a nice little set.
0: I mean, this is one of the movies where... Well, I mean, we haven't watched it together, so I was I was quite excited to hear what you thought to it, actually. That's nice. Uh, anything else you want to add, Graham? No, just no? To, uh, yeah. I would to, I would recommend this movie very highly.
1: That's all, really.
0: As would I. Good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where can they find you, Graham?
1: If you liked this discussion, uh, I have a YouTube series called Fossil Arcade where I play retro video games and arcade classics. And there's also a Fossil Arcade podcast which regularly features Ben and myself. Um, talking about video games we recently recently did a quiz on the Fossil Arcade podcast which I thought went really well and you can play along so if you like quizzes on your podcast
0: check out the Fossil Arcade podcast excellent and if you want to get in touch with us about Godzilla we have Twitter account it's Monster Island RP and on Instagram it's Monster Island Radio and we also have a YouTube channel now (laughs) which is also called Monster Island Radio um and we'll put the episodes up on there with a nice little radio animation which for you to all enjoy designed by graham and it looks uh <laughs> fabulous so uh yeah check us out so i want to uh, see
1: a picture of the godzilla statue on that instagram and people go go look at it you could go find it and you'll know exactly what we were talking about
0: are you telling me to post it <laughs> yeah okay cool right i'll do that after this <laughs> right okay until next time everyone Bye! Bye.